listeners. Thank you for tuning into Epigraph. My name is Jay, and I am the speed at which dogs blink. I'm here with C, who will be presenting her writing. Take it away, C. This one is called Taste of Blood, and uh, let me know what you think in the end. I'm not going to tell you what it's about. My dreams. They're made of wildfire. Unextinguishable. Already inscribed in the future, remember, time is non-linear. With this rhythm I remember, the fever is in my veins, and I swore an oath not to waste any bits of blood in the wrong path. Fears, they drive you away. If you refuse to let them accelerate, they bring you all that is meant to be. Test you on what you wanted your whole life the most. Dear universe, I'm not giving up. I'm never giving up. I'm the wildfire. I feel the ashes breathing carried my dimensions apart. No one or thing is strong enough to extinguish my light, and I am immortal. My dreams, they are an ephemeral. Rotation of her voice as a fairy of all the harmonic synergy. I belong to the universe. It looks like a nightmare now, but all to lean to create more. All is needed, tiny bit of Saito architecture, and I'm on my way until the last melody, and after that too. I am to fight it. My ashes, if that's where I belong. And you're singing it now. Makes us united. I swear you'll never forget the taste of blood once you let yourself drop out. That pain then will heal. Nature never likes one of its own harm. You are brought smooth. So feel the fire, because I swear it's time. It's time to not just burn, it's time to remember. And stones and ashes that brought us here, they know. There is no way to stop once you get the taste of blood. So this one doesn't have a name yet, um, but let me see. Let's see. I mean, if you will have come up uh, with the right name for it, it just never felt right. I overflow with fire. You knew it the first time. I kept you guessing. Told you I wouldn't let you in. You played the I'm not the blame card. I looked through the mirror. Things were different then. When it would take you six hours walking, you were natural in the game we never agreed to play. The games we would play, I had control. And I knew you wanted me to think I did, how I refused to let go of it. Now you're just a letter, right between my lines. And I, the one you never knew, and it's ironic that you just knew. So I closed my eyes behind your lies. Cowardice. Pick any of the lists that I burned, they will tell you the same story of how they were just like you before they got burned. The flare became a flame, and they got greedy, keeping the anticipation in place. Your driving force. You feel pain as you see your name between my lines. Hope you enjoy it just as I do. Looking around, told you when I return, it will be regardless of you. And it's strange. Once your vision shatters, you can dissolve the prettiest dream into ashes. 
So this one doesn't have a title uh, again. I don't usually do this, but sometimes it happens. Okay. I've switched back and forth between minus and plus this morning. Walked over the third of the cosmopolitanism. Looked at the store signs that said closed. Had a good look while everything was silent. That naive face I remembered. How could it be every morning I stopped by, I wondered. Naivety vibrates. I see a little child. Subway making some distance now. All kinds of faces inside. Reminds me of you. The life I could only dream of before I met you. And that melody in my ears now. That moment I knew I was an outsider. That moment I knew I never belonged here. I remember ever since. I looked and looked at the faces. Always a stranger to a city I was born in. Knowing how to get by, knowing my way around, then going up to some touristic place no one knows me and I once again see I never belong. Then I start writing my stories for the faces of strangers, no one knows me. I'm at times quite as fluorescent as light, in the times dark as the most sacred time past midnight, watching the thoughts make their way. All there is we have are representations, two by two we get by. I guess I'll keep doing this when I have everything. Being a stranger, no one knows you. The eyes are empty, you can watch them from afar. My beautiful morning coffee brushing up my elbows in my favorite sweatshirt, knowing exactly the long. Remembering the smell, like the toy trains clicking the button of my own. No one assumes I'll get off in the next stop. The boy sticks to the person next to me. Some more crowd fills in the place. I keep thinking about trains. I remembering the time I sang the loudest, thinking it was a goodbye, returning shortly after, knowing that in the whole world I never belonged anywhere else. That feeling, that feeling for I wondered. He lets his women come first, he says. What is the difference when he attributes it to his supposed manhood? I said in his place. I love it when my mind burns from the crowd and I can let out my complexity just like I screamed at you last night. Saying my brain couldn't take more of your simplicity. And it all started when I called you a work of art no one did you said. You started asking serious questions. I avoided them for a while. You told me it wasn't a product when I stopped answering. It always was, I said, listing down every bits and pieces of my revelations, remembering the decade of war I had won. I've celebrated my victory before you. Just after receiving the bad news, it was worth cherishing. And meanwhile, he stayed silent. Maybe he would understand, I thought, of the damage he put me through. I'm ruthless now when it comes to you. Losing the empathy component was a bitch, and I let my demons out. I let them out on you for a decade they had fought for you. Then the last time after what you said, recognizing the how is just but an illusion. I would take upon the surgery if I was his last chance. I'm the one you fought so hard to be, and we went to an everlasting, seamlessly bruising war. I knew you wouldn't understand my frequency. I wouldn't have locked the door if I wanted you in. Remembering the time I was exploded in the subway not long ago, something you chose to avoid that groove inside me. I screamed and it took 30 seconds for the entire line to burst into silence. But 
every cell I had. I loved it. I lived for it. My vulnerabilities craving their echo had no fear. I closed my eyes and let it all out, open with the most amazing sound the crowd they recognized. The strangers offered their gratitude, no one I have ever seen, and they appreciated what I was like an art piece. I felt the sweetest taste of blood, shielding myself with my own frequency, sheltering myself in my own pleasure cave, immersing anyone who comes nearby, freezing them in time. Awaiting the last three stops now, feeling as the day is done and is midnight, overestimating right from the start. What can I say? I'm cognitively distorted, but an oxymoron when they don't tell the world about the undistorted, deserted, skin shed, the open-minded you. You were afraid when you saw me like that. I knew you were a fraud back then. Last night, I signed my confession of how I were mistaken, thinking you could be the one. Then I sealed it tight with the brightest light, listening to the drums go by, saying my requiems and here's to the long-expected goodbye. Ready to rise from my seat now, seems I really have made it. Excitedly awaiting our next flight, made with passion, just like I am. Felt the adrenaline, looking at the doors, waiting for that little blue dot to make it there. Shape of my heart begins, sting raising in my ears, surrounded by a crowd. In my mind appears fractions, fractions of my greatest yearning, step by step, I'm going home. Have I told you, every time I start something new, a new series this is, to confront what's anew. To wash it all with cold water, after I shed my skin. And it's really a strange, Dolores. What once bruised you with endless pain is now reckless wild, adrenaline-driven pleasure. Okay. Got some questions here for you. Yeah. Wow. Uh, first of all, I want to say that... <laughs> uh, is it okay to say where you're based out of? Yeah, um, I'm based in Istanbul, Turkey. Okay. I just want to make sure it's okay. I know some people are a bit more reserved about saying that, but okay. All right. So, you know, I, one thing I find astounding is that, you know, that I, I'm, you know, I'm in the United States and even mm -hmm. though, you know, clearly I'm very, very far away, I still feel like I resonate, especially with that second poem. Just, mm -hmm. I really feel like, it's kind of one of those things of like, man, I, I I don't want other people to have to experience that. But at the same time, I'm kind of glad I'm not the only one. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so I'm going to, I'll start with some kind of baseline questions. And uh, so mm -hmm. the first one is, so how did you discover that writing was the most effective way for you to express yourself? Well, um, the story is actually a bit interesting. We had a mandatory story writing class when I was in the first grade. And there was this academic who basically wrote, it was like, he was like an academical coordinator or something like that. And his book was mandatory for us to study. And these stories, they would either like have um, the introduction, the body, or the end blank for us to complete. And ever since I 
I never stopped and I would always write things. I would, I guess I, I started with poetry already without even knowing it. No, expressing myself was my goal. And then when I was 10 years old, it turned into English lyrics because I had started learning the first uh, first rounds of tenses in English that I could express myself in. And then that grew into different formats of writing. I tried script writing, I tried essays when I was in high school, but lyrics, writing poetry was always there. And, uh, you know, turning them into songs is already a passion of mine. I, I was, I would turn them into songs when I was little. And there is a funny thing. Um, so in GarageBand, there was uh, an instrumental version of the Journey song, you know, I Don't, I don't Stop Believing. Yeah. Um, and then I, I didn't know that song back then. Like I was only 10 years old, 11 years old, something like that. And then I made a song for it. Like, I didn't know anything about lyrics. We wrote lyrics to that song, and I thought, okay, I made it. That is so yes. awesome, though. Oh my god! So I've so funny thing. I I've heard the the opposite. You know, where you read the lyrics and you assign a new melody to the lyrics, but I have never yeah. thought of having the <laughs> melody and creating the lyrics for that melody. That is awesome. <laughs> Yeah, thank you. I, I was an interesting child. I would record karaoke uh, videos of my voice was awful back then. Then I had this dream of, you know, going to Ellen DeGeneres' show. Like, I, I adored oh her gosh. back then. Right now, I find her exploitative uh, of young talents, especially children. Um, but then it was my dream. Um, so I would record videos and post them in public, but then people made fun of me and my voice wasn't really good. So I remember I deleted them. But you kept on writing and uh, yeah, that's so okay. Thing too. Yeah. First of all, how dare people uh, make fun of you, especially you were young. You're like, <laughs> come on, like let people go, you know. Uh, oh, yeah. come on, bullying, peer pressure. <laughs> Yeah, no, In, that's like, terrible. Popularity. Yeah, 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 yeah. Doing something that's cool. Writing wasn't cool back then. <laughs> I don't, that, that, so that, that is actually something I have been wondering. Have you felt, uh, and, and I just want to know if maybe I'm alone in this or not, but have you felt that as you've grown older, writing has become more and more of like the cool thing to do instead of singing? Yeah, absolutely. I do sing though. Uh, my my voice changed a lot over time, and I recently found out that I was a soprano. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> can you can, if if you feel comfortable, can you share the story of how you found that out? Yeah, of course. So um, when I was little, like you know, making those videos, I would sing the hardest songs, and I would use apps like Star Maker just to be in the right pitch, exact right pitch. And I would sing the hardest songs in the world, like, for example, Cranberries, Adele, uh, Mariah Carey, and so on. Yeah. So then uh, also Celine Dion. And, um, I, I, you know, I was awful back then. You know, my, but only goal I had was, you know, not to detonate. So um, I kept on singing. Uh, in university, finally, we built this band. And my, my voice was not as good back then as well, uh, comparing it with, uh, you know, where it came, where it evolved now. Um, so 
it started with I had a band and I had to build confidence, you know, be more confident singing because my first band, they wanted to sing metal. Like there was a metal group called Tool. Oh my God. And I had to sing that. And I, I had never, you know, I didn't trust myself to sing that because, you know, the vocals was male and so on. Then um, one day in the subway, uh, a musician was... Um, singing and also playing with his guitar a Turkish song that I knew and then I stayed with him and in the end uh, I was singing with him we sang two songs and that was like one of the best moments I've had in my entire life like singing for the first time in subway people looking at you living their emotions in you and you're singing and your voice vibrates and echoes all through the corridors of subway that was incredible then I, I have developed this, you know, sort of like a hobby or a guilty pleasure of mine to steal microphones with musicians who seem <laughs> like they would up, uh, be up to it. I really like singing in the subway. And then also one day, uh, you know, my family was not as supportive uh, for me singing. Uh, they didn't quite understand or see how passionate I was in this. And them making fun of this would, you know, reflect more negatively on me. Right. So I've always tried to objectively seek an opinion that my voice is not awful. And the way I did this was basically going out of my comfort zone, singing in public with as much people as around as possible, you know, to objectively prove that my voice is not bad. <laughs> so the last time I did this, um, it was, I think, last year or the, in the beginning of this year. Um, we basically went to a karaoke uh, place with my friend, but the microphone quality was awful. And then we went that, uh, we left that place, and then we were waiting um, for the Marmarite. It's a bit uh, larger than the subway, you know, basically to cross continents in Istanbul. Mm -hmm. And then I randomly started singing, and then there was a woman um, she asked me if we were in conservatory and I was like oh my god no way and so on and then she asked us if she could record us um and then we were like yeah what do you want us to sing and she was like you know sing anything you want and with my friend we would um do it the song of evanescence bring me to life um and then we started singing that one and you know, in 30 seconds, the entire crowd and, you know, I, I guess it was like thousand people or maybe a less um, less people there. They were all silent. And when I ended the entire um, area, they were all clapping. Oh, my God. You know, a silence and then a round of massive applause. And that that felt so incredibly good. It was like one of the best moments in my entire life. So that really, you know, helped me build the confidence that I needed because I, I always loved singing and singing is ethereal for me. Like I lose the why or the understanding, the perception of my space and time. Yeah. And, you know, the whole world disappears and I'm just with my voice and it feels intimate. And it's really interesting. Um, but then afterwards, uh, after that happened, um, some time has passed. I'm always singing on my own, trying new vocal techniques and everything. Mm -hmm. But then um, last week, basically, when I was on campus, I met a few people, friends of my friends, and um, 
they've heard me actually trying a new vocal technique in the bathroom. So apparently it echoed all the way to our office. We have a little <gasps> office for our startup and campus. Yeah. And then he, um, this guy told me how he basically, you know, uh, heard me singing and he walked over the entire floor just to find out who was singing. Voice was that. And then um, I left the bathroom and was still, you know, uh, sort of harmonizing to myself. He saw me doing that and he was like, oh my God, is that you? It was me. And that was sort of a discovery moment that I had. <laughs> then uh, we did music. We played uh, music um, until the morning. And I was able to sing a really hard song in Turkish. And I guess um, I'm actively searching for gigs now. <laughs> Yeah, it's always been a dream of mine to sing in a dimlit pub, um, you know, really intimate songs that people also resonate with and feel me doing that. So singing is a whole adventure that oh, I haven't yet begun. That is, I will be honest, that sounds like it came straight out of a movie. Like, <laughs> oh my God, that is... That is so great, though, like just the, the, the journey that you've been through just to, uh, you know, despite not, uh, you know, not having the your family support you right away, despite, you know, being made fun of and stuff while you were still learning. And now look at you like, oh, my God, I'm so excited. <laughs> Yeah, so it's so proud of, uh, to ask me, answer your question because I remember I just forgot yeah, doing that. Yeah. <laughs> so... Um, the song I was singing, they've asked me to, there was another guy, they both uh, played the guitar, and then they've asked me to sing this song um, again, and then they were like, you know, one of them asked the other, you know, I think she's a soprano, what do you think? And he was like, yes, I think he, uh, she's a soprano. And then the even more weird thing is, um, at that day, exactly, Google's AI assistant Bard had launched. And Bard can analyze pictures and recordings, anything that's public. So I basically uploaded or, you know, made some of my videos on Drive public to Bard and then analyze, made it analyze the pitch. Oh. And then I made Bard compare my voice to other singers uh, who are also sopranos. And now it makes sense because almost everything that I've tried to sing my entire life, they're all sopranos. okay i know i know you can't see me right now but like my mind is just first of all i did not know that i have not explored bard as uh as an ai so i don't i don't know all its capabilities yet but that is freaking cool that it can do that and now i'm curious to know my what what my singing voice is besides terrible um (laughs) but also that you found out that way and you got that confirmation and that that was something like historically you've already been like doing like i'm just i'm just blown again that whole journey sounds like it comes straight out of a movie um hallmark if you're interested i don't know if C is interested but see if you are into hallmark movies oh my god that is phenomenal Thank you. On that note, uh, I, and and I'll go over the the poetry itself in a little bit. But on that note, <laughs> have you? Um, is there is there already a place online if somebody's interested in in uh, hearing you sing? Do you post anything online or not yet? 
Not yet, but we made uh, something with a producer, um, I think three years ago now. Um, so I have a Spotify artist uh, profile on Spotify with literally zero followers. And I'm not really happy with uh, what came out of it because uh, it, it's not exactly my style, but it's more of a, not me not singing, but sort of harmonizing and poetry. Right. Yeah. Okay. I mean, if you're, if you want to share it, because I will, listen, I will give it a follow right here, right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I can definitely share the link and, and, you know, hear your objective opinions, because I think it's relative. And yeah, it's just that my voice um, and what I'd like to do, you know, as a project, I don't mm-hmm. like to include any um, instruments in one album and just do everything with my voice. I've tried that. Um, uh, it's on SoundCloud right now. I use a different name there, uh, you know? Yeah. Because, you know, having the right quality is really difficult, especially in music. Like, mastering and mixing is a whole different technique, professionalism in itself. And I'm not the best at it at the moment. So I definitely need a producer to work together. Um, I found someone recently, but because he's working a lot and I'm working a lot, we couldn't quite collide our schedules and do something together. So to be perfectly honest, it sounds like you undersell yourself a lot because you had a crowd of people listening to you sing and applauding because of how amazing your voice is. Like, don't undersell yourself. You are like, you are phenomenal. Clearly, there's something about you that is worth listening to. If you want to just send me the link and then if if you want to, if you if you feel like sharing the profile, uh, you want to say it in the podcast, feel free to do so. <laughs> if not, you know, I will I will keep the link to myself, but I will be following because I am really excited <laughs> to see what you do next. Like, I've, that's yeah, great. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. I would prefer publicly sharing things that I feel really, really proud about. Um, and that, that requires a quality mic. <laughs> um, and also, you know, yeah. right, you know, synergy, right, people. I think everything has its uh, right time. But if I sing in a dim lit pub and we have a recording, I'll definitely share it somewhere. Oh, my God. I, I really, do. really like that. Listen, I, if I have to fly to Turkey, <laughs> I'm just, I, 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 joke aside, I really am genuinely very excited to um, hear, just to hear you sing, because it really, it really does sound like it's something, uh, it, it sounds like an experience, and I, I would love to be a part of that. I'd love to have you here. And so, circling back to the writing, um, uh, you know, you you found how how writing and also singing, you know, great ways to express yourself. And I wanted to ask: Is there was there a time where you found it actually very difficult to express yourself with writing? Well, um, at times, yes. Especially in the pandemic, I felt like it wasn't enough like the words weren't making it and then what happened was i basically had the uh, you know a small bottle small glass of ink um in front of me and what i did i basically um you know put my finger inside the bottle so it was all covered in ink and i started throwing like 
intuitively. And then uh, a few weeks later, I started uh, painting with finger paints, uh, not using any brushes, anything similar, but just my body and my hands and my nails and so on. So that's still what I do. I haven't painted in a few months now, but the last thing I've painted was a crow. (laughs) (laughs) What do you know? (laughs) Yeah. You're just you're just creative all around. Like that's all I can think of. It's like, oh my god, like you are <laughs> you you are you are an artist through and through. It's like you, you know, pick a medium and that's and whatever whatever works to express yourself. And I <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I love that. <gasps> Especially like I, I personally so I love art as well. Um I am terrible at sculpting. Like I don't my mind does not think in 3D. I don't know. So when I try to sculpt, I find it very difficult because I can't visualize it in my mind as 3D. So I have to, yeah, I struggle with it. Um, and if anybody is wondering, yeah, it does make driving difficult. I can still drive. <laughs> <But> yeah, <laughs> the perception stuff. I'm sorry to all the drivers around me. But uh, yeah, so so to to meet someone, uh, and it's very rare that I've met people that have that that capability of just pick a medium any medium and they will they will find a way to express themselves with it uh so to have you on the (laughs) podcast like i'm i'm so excited and so when it comes to to the poetry itself so for i want to start with the second one because like i said the second one really really spoke to me Uh i don't know if you meant it to be uh well for let me start first what was it inspired by? Um, is it more like towards, it sounded like it was you speaking to a relationship, but was it a romantic relationship or? Uh-huh. Yeah, so I cannot say it was a romantic relationship because it actually never started, but I thought it would. Um, and sort of like an unfilled, unfulfilled promise, I should say a story that is incomplete and a story that is never written. You know, in here, I I really find quantum physics really um, similar because there were some experiments in quantum physics, which they found that the future actually affected uh, today. And I don't know how, but I feel like the way it's going to it would be uh it would become or it was going to be sort of affected what happened and you know everything sort of uh fall into pieces and uh yeah it's actually literally about a person so first of all hello new bestie uh i love quantum (laughs) (laughs) oh my god i had a whole thing where I went like weeks and weeks doing nothing but watching documentaries about quantum physics and stuff. Hello, bestie. Um, <laughs> like, I was doing a physics library. <laughs> oh my god. That's, uh, oh my god. Okay, so talk about serendipity. Um, and, and the reason I was asking about the, the relationship part is because the last line where you talked about dissolving trees into ashes, um, it spoke to me uh, in relationship but not a romantic one it was like a family relationship so um i had a i had a really difficult time while i was growing up and 
as you were reading that second poem, I just kept going back to my relationship with my family. And so, uh, you know, I've, I've, I've had a lot of struggles with unsupportive family and I, that last line really just kind of like, it hit me like a freight train. I was like, wow. Cause one of the things that I will say, um, uh, and I don't know if other people will be able to relate, but one of the things that my mother is very talented of is to, uh, literally just crush you with just words just one sentence and it will just destroy you and unfortunately because of you know that that strained relationship that i had it that that's pretty much what happened is uh some of her last words to me were very very hurtful and so while you were reading that poem it just brought me back and that's why it's like i don't want other people to know what that feels like but the fact that mm-hmm. you were able to write something that was so relatable, it's like, okay, so at, at least I'm not alone. And, you know, and maybe, uh, what, and maybe it's not a, a family experience that you had, but the fact that you, you wrote about something that resonated with me so much, it's like, okay, so I'm, it, this is, this does not just happen to me. I'm not going crazy. It was very validating. Probably. Yeah. And I think, uh, especially when it's about poetry, I think like I I see myself as a channel, honestly, and that's how I uh, started to make my writings in public. Because when I first made them public, it was so scary. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I, I'm being vulnerable. People are going to see this, and you know, like I don't care about what people think. But what if I, what if uh, you know, person X, you know, someone I care about sees this, and what will they think of? Uh, a really high level of empathy mm-hmm. but then I've had hundreds and hundreds of people contacting me saying how my uh, pieces resonate with them and that was really special like I've had uh, one person saying um, you know in my break times when I'm studying the uh, address that I go to is your website and I see if there's anything new I read your pieces and that that was really nice because I think poetry is not something personal. I think art is not something personal. Of course, there are personal components in it, but I think art is a way of being universal, sort of. Like, even the way I sing, I don't think that all of those are my emotions, but rather what I'm channeling. And I think being an artist is... is uh, nearly equal to being a channel channeling something being a channel for someone to realize something or see something or to feel something that is that is i mean i've i've genuinely never thought of it like that i to, well to me like i've um all, my art i always used it as a way to to express my innermost thoughts and feelings and stuff just to kind of get it out of my head but <laughs> yeah so i i actually never thought about it that way that you know your art could also be not just you know like you said personal components but rather that you <laughs> are that channel like to, to voice what absolutely yeah and that makes up that I mean, that definitely broadens my mind. Uh, see, and this is why I love this podcast, because I get to learn new things. <laughs> see? So, see? That's exciting. Okay. Yes. The, the third poem. 
okay first of all suggestion for the second poem when you first started reading it my thought was like you should call it scorpio because it started literally i was like i feel called out as a scorpio i feel called out at this one and then at the end <laughs> I, I was like no this has to be like something else so i don't have a name suggestion for you um <laughs> maybe something from our audience comes in yeah i'm open uh, dear audience, if you happen to have a suggestion for the titles, like feel free, you know, epigraphcast at gmail.com and I will forward it to see no problem. Let's do that. And then the third poem, I know that you mentioned a lot about the train ride. And I'm curious, now knowing <laughs> your journey through singing, was that what inspired this third poem? Honestly. Um, the third poem is, is wholesome. Like, there are lots of things in it. Mm -hmm. So I wrote it in, in a subway. My journey usually uh, is long. Uh, my ride is usually long when I uh, go to campus because I've lived really far. And it basically started, like, I reflected on everything that that has been or everything that I thought it would be, sort of like a, you know, um, time uh, breaking moment, like the time dimension breaking moment, because I saw like everything in the same dimension. Mm -hmm. And when I was going on that train ride, the subway ride, um, I basically reflected on everything, saw through my journey through uh, stranger faces. And I guess that was a way of confronting myself and the poetry, the piece was actually about uh, Istanbul. Because it, it really is difficult to live in a city, but not just, you know, living in a big city or speak surviving, but rather everything that, that it takes from you and gives to you and how it changes you. And you don't recognize this until you get out of it. But living in a big city actually turns in, turns you into a fighter, a survivor. Um, diversity is like automatically uh, encouraging you because everybody is different. I could say like the third of the city, you know, people not uh, being good towards you and you're you're sort of expecting any danger and sort of being cautious and you know amongst all that there are your also things that are going on for you you know externalism and internalism and again i think i saw it all in the same dimension as if they were all in the same level regardless of when they've happened so the third poem, and you know, because it was really long also, I think it was like the longest poem that I've written. But it's, it's sort of a confrontation, sort of saying that I'm getting out of here. And I, I don't like one way or another, because not belonging is a difficult feeling. And not belonging makes you yearn for something that you have never had. Yeah. And that's uh, that's being um, somewhere that that you feel uh, comfortable, that you feel um, cared about, that you feel home, basically. Yeah, 
And I felt like um, with Istanbul, the relationship we have, and there are lots of you know uh, poets who wrote about their relationships, and also story writers, authors who write their who wrote about their relationship with Istanbul. But for me, I feel like um, it's constantly attacking me, um, the traffic and everything. So that cosmopolitanism it was also it was directly about um, Istanbul. So I've never lived in a big city myself. I've lived in cities, but not like the big city, you know? So yeah. that that makes sense. It also kind of makes you a little nervous about living in a big city. It's not the plan, <laughs> you know? I'm not planning on moving to a big city, but if it ever happens, mm -hmm. uh, I, I, I already know I need to kind of keep my defenses up a little bit while I get adjusted. So, mm -hmm. but I, I do know... So when you said everything was kind of in the same dimension, uh, I'm just curious, have you ever watched the video about uh, string, not string theory, um, the 10th the dimension? The 10th dimension. Yes. Um, it's like, it's, it's like a, a stick figure video. It's very simple, but it is on YouTube. Uh -huh. I love that video, by the way, because I, mm -hmm. and I feel that that might be something that, that you might enjoy as well, especially with your interest in quantum mm -hmm. theory. I'm so excited. I yeah. just love talking to you. Like, I'm so psyched. Uh, so that video talks about the different dimensions uh, and how we can conceptualize them, or I guess how we can't mm -hmm. conceptualize them because of how, you know, different they are. And so it talks about, mm -hmm. you know, the first dimension, second dimension, how it'll look to somebody in the third dimension for somebody in the mm -hmm. third dimension and all, and all that mm -hmm. stuff. And it, there was a, it, it kind of addresses that um all being in the same mm -hmm. dimension because it talks about at one point like uh how people say you know time always moves forward but does it though does it always move forward mm -hmm. and is it possible you know that when you when you talk about time and the way that time affects us because mm -hmm. we are three-dimensional beings we don't have the capacity to to conceptualize how time would visually look like to somebody in mm -hmm. a different dimension and that's why for us it doesn't look like it's affecting it but it's the same thing as saying as somebody in a second dimension will uh doesn't know like how to flip their hat uh uh on the mm -hmm. other way because it just it doesn't work that way for their dimension so yeah so about the 10th dimension video, I'm not sure if I saw the video myself, but I've uh, asked my quantum physics professor about these dimensions and them being like, you know, if it's physically possible to, um, mm -hmm. to actually um, have an understanding of the reality and, and the universe like this. And he basically told me that this was intangible and, you know, um, an interesting thing about um, popular science, let's say, is that it's actually really different, according to what he said, than what's going on in the science world. For example, when they've uh, replicated the Big Bang explosion in the CERN Institute, there was this uh, tube, I'm not sure what was uh, the long name for it, but they basically found nothing new. That they've everything they knew, every molecule, every element, they knew it all, they've known it already. So 
about the 10th dimension and you know the dimensions before my professor thinks that it's uh, a fiction honestly and a oh. way to gather attention for science from people and this is sometimes used for funding you know to get funding for studies because if you get people excited then they, they basically uh, want you to study it and now you have investment because unfortunately funding for studies still also revolves around the press you know remember right. Albert Einstein for example how uh, they cherished them because it was like uh, the era after war and in that, that was the that was something that people could hold on to Right. So scientists on that uh, on that hand on that uh, level have uh, different different missions. Let's say different roles. Like I would really be mesmerized if if dimensions worked. Uh, like for example, how it works like an interstellar. Yes, um, I, I, I really would be mesmerized by that me too and nolan's nolan has like he has a whole uh, admirable style that i just um i i really would like to get into his brain and see yes. what goes on there really like, like every every time i see a movie of his i'm like okay how he associates which concepts and how these movies how these scripts are created um and meanwhile, people are like, okay, this person is really good. This movie was good. I'm like, okay, um, you know, how does his brain work? What does he learn? Yes. How much he knows about quantum physics, how much he knows about astrophysics, and um, how, you know, how many scientists are around him. Is, uh, he, is he pursuing a separate research in itself? Or, like, is he surrounded by quantum physicists? Um, how accurate is this? Are these all his thoughts or which books that he reads and so on? Yeah, so um, the way I dive deep into <laughs> something. You said you were studying yeah. psychology, right? Yeah, that's true. I can, <laughs> I can see it. <laughs> I No, I, I love it because that is, that, that is exactly, so one of the, um, I don't, formally study psychology but I do enjoy reading about psychology and like I I one of when I was younger I had a copy of the DSM and everything just like reading it oh my god yeah I was that Sick. nerdy kid oh my god and so um but that that thought I I do have that a lot of like uh, which is one of the reasons why I wanted to start this podcast because I know that uh -huh. um, one of the things was in English class, for example, we were always thought of like, oh, uh, but what you know the 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 author says the curtain were blue. What does the blue represent? And I was like, well, I how the hell should I know? I'm not in their <laughs> brain. But I and what I often wondered was that was like, does this actually hold like some sort of specific meaning, or is it just because they just maybe like the color blue and that's why they were blue? Uh, and so <laughs> that's why I started I wanted to get into psychology um, and I started developing an interest in it because I wanted to understand from another point of view and so then this podcast was born because I also wanted to see um, are the curtains blue just because you like the color or do, is, does it actually mean something but using that and, um, and circling back to the, the first poem so Taste of Blood yeah, I 
I did find that a very powerful poem. Um, but I do want to know what was your inspiration for that one? I could say like it's um not affirmation, but sort of um how we call it like an anthem, um something like an anthem that uh, that basically reminds me of who I am and what I stand for. Something is uh or some things are not as obvious, some things are decrypted, uh encrypted. But I think that it, it's a way of me uh, saying to myself, whatever happens, you know, dear me, dear child self, we're not giving up. We didn't give up back then. We're not giving up now. You know, whatever can happen, uh, we're going to fight. We're going to stay resilient. We're going to have our perseverance and we're going to persist for as long as it lasts. And regardless of the conditions. So it's it's still a way of, Turning a promise into an anthem. Okay. I do I do like that. So recently I read a book called Unmasking Autism. And uh, honestly, there's a <laughs> lot of stuff in that book that would be helpful for holistic people. Holistic people being people who don't have autism. It's uh and and one of the things they mentioned was to turn those thoughts of like I am not enough of this or like I'm ashamed of this and twist them into a positive and what value does that positive represent? And I feel like I feel like with the way that that you describe how taste of blood uh is and and what it means to you is kind of like mm-hmm. a simpler way of doing that of establishing like who you are, what are your values, mm-hmm. taking all those things that could have broken you and turning them into reasons why mm-hmm. you did not break. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's actually how I started uh, making my writings in public, because the public saw vulnerabilities, sensitivities as something to be afraid of, as something that makes you weak, as something that makes us weak. And, you know, masking everything that makes you feel sensitive, masking everything, masking your emotions that supposedly make you weak, masking yourself and then personas, for example. I I don't live my life in personas. Whoever I am now, I'm here, I'm, I'm this person in the workplace as well. Like, we have different roles, but it doesn't mean that I have to, you know, repress my emotions, repress my entire being just to be able to fit into some kind of a box or supposedly formality professionalism i don't think professionalism is uh far away from being human because i think right now the reason we're struggling is because we're trying to leave the human component behind or we try to in the past we um to leave the human component behind yes like for example when uh specialization first emerged by adam smith in you know centuries ago basically um in his wealth of nations like the way that the term employee was born it was like factory like like he factorized the way of being human and then we needed that to uh sort of build the workforce but then you know times changed well we evolved humans evolved technology evolved and right now um artificial intelligence is I think saying what we should have known uh, centuries ago. 
you have to be yourself in order to get the job done. And anything else, AI can automate it for you because it doesn't require, um, you know, the, the creativity that you have, yes. that human component. That's why I strongly believe in AI is uh, coordination and sort of a collective way of addressing the future. And that's why I think it's it's really important to be ourselves in the workplace and not not repress any parts of ourselves under the name of you know persona persona or masking or um you know it's it's not being unprofessional it's being human if you feel like shit you're going to feel like shit and you're not going to want to work exactly. and that's okay Oh my God. Yes. I, I am so on the same page with you. So one of the things that I work on a lot is, um, with diversity, equity, and inclusion, all that stuff that, that, uh, I try to advocate for in, especially in the workplace is exactly that is authenticity in the workplace. Uh It's that absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's, if your employee just lost their, their child, or even if they lost their, their dog, you don't know yeah. the 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 attachments that that person has. You don't know the full story behind it. So your role as an employer should be to create a safe enough space where productivity can thrive. Yes, but so does humanity. Absolutely. So uh, well, two two things. Uh, first, I think like productivity also has an outdated definition because we define productivity just after the industrial revolution, right? And it basically means input versus output, like uh, the raw material versus uh, the not per product produced good, let's say. And that that is a really factory definition, like we humans are not factories. And that's, that's right. the reason, for example, I address uh, people, employees as organic factories, made, made into organic factories. Because... Because of this, our personality, our personal lives are basically suffering and therefore our work is because why we're experiencing burnouts, we're experiencing anxiety, depression, um, other mental health problems, we don't have work-life balance and we, most importantly, we don't think that we don't deserve personal time because we were not productive enough. And therefore, I believe the reason we should, um, not reason, the solution we could address this through is through an alternative definition uh, of productivity, which is self-investment per work. If you invest in yourself enough, then your work, um, you know, will also be balanced through this. Because if you, um, everyone has a different kind of balance. Like balance does not mean 50-50. And it's time we acknowledge this. You're different. So I am. So am I. And like your two hours is not equal to my two hours. We're different people. We have a different way of working. We have different way of perception. And that's what actually, um, you know, pulls me into psychology because it's the idea that no one can actually perceive the exact thing that you're telling them about. They can only perceive within their own capability and within their own association and within their own way of seeing the world which is relative so they understand they uh what you said in their relative reality right which is probably very different than yours and therefore i think 
it's past time that we um, we introduce this alternative definition of productivity because you've also used that productive in the uh, in terms of work. You've associated right. that with work, but like if I'm not working, then I'm not productive. If I'm, for example, singing, then I'm not productive. But um, I see this as a balance, as a way of uh, creating balance between. Uh, the time you invest, you have to invest in your uh, finances or work or professional life versus yourself. And these um, sometimes are very different. And just because you have to, for example, be successful at work, you shouldn't have to sacrifice your entire life because you just have one life and you, you owe yourself to make the most of it. So... Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. And I, and you're right. You're right. I, I did use that in the, um, in the sense of work, but no, you're absolutely right. It is time to redefine productivity. And, and, and I agree with you with that because one of the things that I have, I do a lot of things all at once. And so I, I often get messages from, uh, you know, friends, family, whatever, uh, telling me like, I don't even know how you have time to be so productive. I'm like, that's the thing, though. You you think that I'm being productive that I don't sleep, but I actually sleep a lot because that is part <laughs> of my productivity. Like when, when I got hit with really hard news, you know, a couple of days ago, all I did that night is that I, I just I just went to bed. I didn't talk to anyone, nothing. But that to me was productivity because I wasn't just while to anybody else, everybody else outside of me, it looked like I was just lying in bed depressed. I was actually sitting down and processing my feelings. It would come in waves. Sometimes I would be like really positive And then in a few hours, I'd start crying. But that was my way of processing my feelings. And by the next morning, I was able to get out of bed and just continue doing what you know I normally would do. But that didn't mean that that evening that I spent in bed was unproductive. It was productive, mm-hmm. just not in the the you the pe- the way that people would normally define it. And so, yeah, I exactly, I I agree. And to that point, to kind of summarize it all, my favorite thing is mm-hmm. when people say we're all in the same boat. Is we're not actually in the same boat. We are in the yeah. same. We're in the same ocean in the same storm. But we're not in the same mm-hmm. boat. Some people have yachts and some people have uh, life rafts. So, <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's definitely true. Yeah, no, I, I, you know, see, I really appreciate being able to speak with you. I feel like I've learned a lot from mm-hmm. everything that you said. And you've definitely sparked some new topics that I want to look into Likewise. further. <laughs> Is there any anything additional that you want to share in regards to your writing, your singing, or anything else you want to bring up? Well, I'm I'm really uh, so so delighted that we finally did this, and I'm I'm really excited, you know, hopefully to be a guest in one of your future sessions. Hopefully, uh, when everything is a bit better, when when I can actually, you know, apply the solution, and you'll be like, okay, I tried this, I'm super hyped, and so on. So I'm looking for uh, that thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Especially with that octopus. Oh my gosh! Yes, I'm <laughs> so excited. I I am going to definitely test that out. Uh, I'm I'm waiting. Once we're done recording, I'm I will send you a message about it. 
And so uh, for um, where, so for someone to be able to find more of your work and to learn more about Mm -hmm. you and potentially see your future songs, if possible, it's the Wix site website that you share, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I'll definitely, you know, reorganize the entire user interface because the design is awful right now. The when I did, I sort of wanted to, you know, just sit around the fire, uh, but I, I just failed to create that exact experience that I meant to imagine. I was looking for a video to um, sort of put it put in the behind so that words would feel as if they were out of a fire, but then I failed to find the right video, so I couldn't do that. No worries. You will get there. With with how creative you are, I am 100% confident you're going to get there. And for the <laughs> for listeners that want to see more of C's work, the website is going to be C like Charlie, G-U, Z like Zulu, E-L-S like Sam, E-V like Victor, D-I dot Wixsite dot com forward slash home forward slash blog I, you can also uh, share my you know kindle flip book that i've uh, also shared with you galaxy of the faces which i published on kindle three years ago but the flick uh flip snack thing doesn't actually require you to pay so i'd love to hear your opinions on that one. Oh, absolutely she also wrote a book very excited it is galaxy of the faces and you can also find it on flip snack the url is a bit long for that one but if you just google galaxy of the faces flip snack uh it it'll pull up it's the very first link so yeah no, i'll <laughs> I will give it. Yeah, yeah, it is. I googled it. I was like, oh, okay. Uh, I love it. So yeah, if you if you're interested in seeing more of C's work, that's where you can find uh you know what C has worked on so far. And uh, yeah, super excited having you on the podcast. Enlightening. That's what I. That's the one word I can use to summarize this is enlightening. Oh, I appreciate that. I'm honored. Um, I hope to see you one day in uh, in a gig that we play in Istanbul, hopefully. Heck yeah, I will add that to my travel list. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Epigraph. This episode was edited by the phenomenal sound gremlin, Celia. Follow us on social media and join our Discord. You can find all our contact information at epigraphcast.carrd.co. Again, that is epigraph, E-P-I-G-R-A-P-H, cast, C-A-S-T, dot hard, dot co. If you want to join in the fun as a guest, send in your volunteer form or contact us at epigraphcast at gmail.com. Epigraph releases the last Wednesday of each month, so look forward to the next chapter. Once again, I am Jay, and I am a fresh linen scent candle. See you next time.